Now is the time to reinforce your bowling arsenal, and BowlerX.com is the online leader in price, service, and selection. With free insured shipping on every item we carry, including a complete line of pro shop supplies, as well as balls, bags, shoes, accessories, and more. Also, check out the large selection of closeout and discontinued items at a fraction of their original cost. BowlerX.com, your online bowling superstore and proud sponsor of Above180.com. Hi, this is Norm Duke. You're listening to Above180.com with Tim Bird and Joey Serrar. BowlerX.com, your online bowling equipment superstore, presents the Above180.com podcast. Tim Berg and Joey Serrar are ready to hit the lanes, approaching the issues that you, the bowler, want to know. From the latest equipment reviews, coaching, to drilling layouts and the stars of the PBA. Now, from Washington, D.C. and the Bowler's Pro Shop in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, here are your hosts, Tim Berg and Joey Serrar. Joining us this week on the Above180.com podcast is Brian Smith. Brian is co-owner of Ten Pin Down Bowling Center up in Roseburg, Oregon. If you want to check them out, it's tenpindownbowling.com. Brian, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Brian, thought it'd be great to get you on to chat about the World Series of Bowling. You were down there competing in Las Vegas. First off, what was your impression of how you did looking back, and then also what were your thoughts on the new oil patterns? Well, when you go down to the World Series, it's a, it's a unique tournament because you have a lot of tournaments all compacted into one week and you know you got the best competition because you have people flying in from all over the world you know i believe there was i think 15 different countries represented this year so you have you know you know different walk coming from all over the place um so you get you're getting the best from from all over the world and and, and, uh, and brian you know this is joe sarager i mean it's not like it wasn't competitive enough and now you have elite players coming from all these different countries all vying for the same small prize fund. Yeah, no, it's uh it makes it, you know, it's it's a tough it's probably the toughest tournament I think there is to bowl because you you know, you're bowling one-day tournaments along with this week-long tournament that is the world championship. So, you know, one uh you get off to a bad start in one of the days and uh, next thing you know, you're trying to grind out to hold on to, so you still have a chance and don't take yourself out of the big tournament because, you know, that's really what you know everybody's there to do is to make the finals and and have a chance to win the world championship. So it's it's pretty challenging. And then when you're done at the end of the day, you got to be able to reset your mind whether you had a good day or bad day and come back. You know, sometimes, you know, eight hours later and get ready to bowl again for the, for a whole nother tournament. So what was your thought about the new patterns? I know they lengthened Cheetah and did some modifications to every pattern. What what was your impression on, on how they play com- compared to how they had played in years past? Well, I mean, I, I think the patterns played quite a bit different than they had. The Cheetah reminded me of the original Cheetah that they first came out with, um, you know, quite a few years ago where you had to have, you had to use a lot of angle through the front to give yourself the best, you know, the most room and the best pin carry. Um, the other patterns, just going through them, the the house characteristics of South Point came out a little bit where you had quite a bit of hook in the front, but with the length and patterns, the, um, the back ends got much tighter than they had in years past. 
so you, I mean, I, I felt like you had to do more tricks with your speed to get the ball to go through the pins and to carry where you just couldn't really overpower the lanes. You know, before speed and revs really dominated um, in that in that house all week long, and, and I don't, you know, I didn't see that this week or, you know, the week of the World Series. I've seen guys that could, you know, ma- manipulate the... Uh, the down lane hook and play with their speeds and, and angles um, seemed to me like they played a little bit better. So, Brian, can, can you share with us some of the tricks that you do when the fronts go away a little bit and the backhands get tighter? Because that's kind of every bowler's worst nightmare. I know it's definitely harder for us amateurs to try and figure out. Uh, I mean, is it, is it loft? Is it hand position? Is it is it a trick layout? Or is it a combination of you know, for myself, my my game's kind of unique. Um, I have a pretty long swing, so my my swing at the bottom has a real long flat spot. So when the lanes tend to hook a lot more, it's easier for me to play that hook because um, my ball glides through the front. Um, obviously, I'm not a super high rev guy, um, so I do a lot with with my loft um, and my um, rotation of my hand. Um, I play more with my grip pressure than than probably some people do. Where if I wanted to hook a little bit more, um, more than messing with my speed, I will try to hit up on it. Just you know, keep it on my fingers a little bit longer with a little more tension, um, and give it a little more loft. Um, if I'm trying to get it a little longer, um, I'll try to try to get it off my hand just a little bit quicker with a with less finger pressure so it doesn't want to grab the fronts as much so when you when you talk grip pressure is it primarily adjusted um, by you or most pros with just finger pressure or is it thumb pressure as well i i personally don't use a lot of thumb pressure so i i mean myself i do all mine with finger pressure um you know i will use a little bit of thumb pressure when i'm trying to loft it because you have to you know you have to hold on to the ball a little bit longer so you do create some but I do most of mine and I think most of the guys on tour would do most of theirs with finger you know are, are using their finger pressure more than they are their thumb. So Brian your only tour title came back in 2003 versus a bearded Walter Ray Williams Jr. the third. 2007 your Lava Lanes team won an eagle at the USBC Open Championships. What is it about the stadium that matches up so well with your game? You know, I I think the stadium, the guys that play straighter angles have tended to bowl better there, and the carry across when you're bowling tournaments across the house seems to be better. Um, and for myself, it's just one of those places. I think you get a uh, a confidence when you walk into a place and you've had success. Um, so you have this you know, aura or feel that you know you're going to bowl good. There's never any, um, there's never any of those bad thoughts or like, oh man, I bowled bad here one time, and you know, is it going to carry over? You know, the same characteristics coming out. Um, so I think a lot of it is, you know, the angles that I play tend to match up in that in the, in the stadium better than than guys who like to use more angle through the front. I mean, I guess that's what I would say is the biggest part of it. 
because it you know it doesn't seem to matter what patterns we've bowled on there. So Brian, at the stadium, do you keep a notebook to kind of refresh your memory about certain pairs because we all know that house can play so differently from the low side of the house to the high side. I don't personally have a notebook, but I I kind of know in general where the where the crazy stuff starts happening. <laughs> and it's usually I think it's like four pairs right of the center break. Um the right lanes tend to be a lot tighter than the left lanes. Um and then there's a couple pairs on the low end. I think 17 and 18 has one of those lanes. I'd know if I seen it, um, just from where I'm at in the stadium, but there's one of the lanes in there that's really tight um, down lane. Um, other than that, I'm, you know, I, I don't keep, I'm not very good at keeping notes. So Brian, you also are the owner of 10 Pin Down Bowling Center up in Roseburg. So talk about what you're doing from a proprietor's perspective and a co-owner in the bowling center to keep league bowlers. I know that's one thing a lot of a lot of centers are struggling with with their league league play and keeping keeping the leagues full. So what are you guys doing up there to keep your leagues full on on the weeknights? Well, we're in a small town, so we have, you know, we have a pretty decent league base for what we have, but you know what I've found in the uh since I've been on the the proprietor side is that a lot of people just want to learn, um, learn how to bowl. So we're, you know, one thing that, that we do, uh, with my brother being a partner and our other partner, Bob Reed, um, we offer, um, anybody that comes in, we don't have a problem going down and helping them try to become a better bowler because, you know, really what people want to do is they want to go down, they want to have fun, and if they see some improvement, they enjoy it a lot more. The person that comes down and bowls 100 every game, if you can get them to average in 130, they're going to they're gonna have more fun. So the one thing that's that I would say that we've, you know, that, you know, our philosophy is that if somebody needs help and wants to, you know, we offer it up to everybody that comes in. You know, we need... And I think that's a... Yeah, I think that's a great idea, Brian, to have you know house pros or or just good amateurs available to help your clientele. And and too many centers kind of overlook that, uh, either due to time constraints or or the bottom line. Uh, but it, you're right; it's a great idea because I think any skill level, any average range, when they see improvement, they're going to stick with it and find more enjoyment. Yeah, and we've done some stuff with the high school team where you know we're. I was pretty fortunate growing up that I always got to to bowl for free at you know the bowling centers around town, um, but I also helped out whenever they needed stuff, and I've kind of went with that philosophy with our high school team. We let all the kids who bowl on the high school team, boys and girls, they can come in and practice anytime they want. Um, when there's lanes available, obviously, you know customers get first first choice. But the one thing we do ask them is if they see another kid down there or some new bowlers or people, we ask them to go down and help them, you know, just give them a little advice and encourage them. 
You know, Brian, that's something that we all can do as bowlers. You know, me, myself, Joe, and, and you included, but something that all league bowlers, everyone probably listening to this show, can take someone who's a little bit lesser than they are and, and help them out. I know another thing that I found neat when I came up to your center, because I visited with Rick Benoit, and Rick was helping me with some of the bowl, bowler youth stuff that's going on, is you have two separate sides to your house. So you have one side where we were working on things, and you were even there practicing on some things. But the other side of the house, you guys, had, it was more of a cosmic feel, more of a, a, a fun feel, more of a recreational feel. So just talk about how that's working for you guys and how you, you're able to recognize these people are just going to come in, they're going to have fun, they're going to you know bowl without the lights. And then there's the other side, like you said, the high school kids who come in and practice and want to improve their game. Yeah, we when we built our bowling center, we built it with 24 traditional league you know with the league players in mind so we have 24 lanes on one side on the other side of the house we have 10 of basically the entertainment side of bowling where it's you know we're going to have the black lights we have music playing and the the one thing is is we wanted to be able to offer um anybody that wants to come in and bowl we're always going to have these lanes available for open play and and that's it that's you know, kind of that's that's it. That is a challenge for you know most bowling proprietors is if they're full during the week, um, and somebody decides they want to go bowling, their first thought is, well, we don't ever have any lane. There's never lanes. They're always full with league. So it you know it pushes them away from bowling. Um, so we thought let's build ten lanes over here, you know, facing the opposite way, and that's one thing that we can offer is we have open play every night of the week so um and most people want to come over there they like to sit down and relax on the couches and enjoy the you know the the family atmosphere of just coming and bowling so brian you, you've had the pleasure of seeing bowling from all different sides you know from a rank amateur to an elite pro to a proprietor where do you think bowling will be say, five or ten years down the road. If, I know it's hard to see into the future, but uh, since you have all this experience from different sides, do you see it prospering or possibly declining even further? Oh, I think bowling's going to I think bowling's gonna make a comeback. I think, uh, I, you know, personally, myself, I think what, what we need to really, in the bowling industry, need to work on is realize that, 99.9% of the people that are bowling are bowling for entertainment, whether it's your 190 average league bowler or your 120 average league bowler. So whatever you, whatever the proprietors can do to make it fun for those people and let them enjoy and get a little bit better and not try to push the, you know, so much the, super hard sport bowling towards that level, I think people will keep bowling and people will keep joining and you'll see some numbers increase. I think if we try to make the, the you know, myself, if we try to push too much of the sport on the recreation part of it, it's going to make it hard because, you know, you're kind of you know, and it's a tough thing because you don't want to tell a 190 average bowler he's not very good because he's only putting enough time in to average 190. And if we start making the shots for everybody so difficult, you're going to push them away. You know, you're not going to take a you know a 12 handicap golf uh, golfer 
and go put him on Pebble Beach with you know from where the pros are playing with the pro rough and all that, and tell him you know oh this is what you're going to play on all the time. He's going to get tired of shooting 110 on the golf course. So um, you know in my mind I think that I think we really need to to work on you know separating the sport part of bowling and the recreational part and and work more on the recreational part because that's what 99.9% of the bowlers are. And even your you know 210 average league bowler, he's doing it for fun. He's not making a living doing it. So let that guy make the choice if he wants to bowl on a sport pattern, he can bowl on a sport pattern. Um and really, you know, that's that's kind of my thought on things. So then, Brian, is it hard for you guys to put out a, a competitive, a sports shot, like you're saying? Because there are certain people who want to improve and improve their game, but is there enough of them that it, it makes sense for you to put out a league pattern where if you know you're only going to have 10 guys show up, does that, does that work out you know, financially from the proprietor's perspective? Well, you know, in our area, it's kind of tough. We're in a small area, and I, you know, in our bowling center, we personally, you know, our place really doesn't have... Um, a whole lot of guys that want to take their their game to that sport part. They want to get better. There's no question about they all they all want to get better. But they still they don't want to come down and average one eighty five on a you know on a flat sport condition. Um, what we do is during the you know during there's nights that you know people in our bowling community are pretty fortunate. Uh, most of the time if somebody wants to do something and wants to bowl on a, a condition, we have a couple days during the week that um, if somebody wants something and they ask for it, we'll go put it out for them. Um, you know, Tuesdays are a day that if somebody wants to come in and bowl on a one of the regional patterns or one of the, you know, patterns that we have in our machine, we'll put it out on three or four pairs um, and people can bowl on them throughout the day. Oh, Brian, I have an, an interesting question for you. When you're trying to sharpen your game for an upcoming PVA regional or PVA event, do you bowl on sport patterns, or do you just simply know your game well enough the pattern is irrelevant for you to get sharper? Um, I, I do both. Um, when I'm just trying to get myself um, prepared, I'll just bowl on league shots, just uh, to start with, to get my hand in shape, I'll just go down and bowl, you know, 10 to 15 games a day on league. And usually a couple weeks before um, anything happens, before I go bowl, a, like, the World Series, I'll usually spend, like, a week um, bowling on sport conditions or one of the patterns that I have, whether it's um, an old Masters pattern or an old Tournament of Champions or even one of the USBC patterns. Um, for nationals, um, I'll go spend usually a week practicing on those. Um, but if I'm bowling a lot of regionals, and it happens to be, you know, the uh, some of the big tournaments are coming up around when we've been had a lot of regionals, or I've been bowling a lot of tournaments, I I usually just use the tournaments for my uh, sharpening up, and I don't I won't put much out to practice on. So Brian, you're also part of the Silver Lake Adam Splitters. And Joe and myself had the opportunity to speak with Mark Baker, 
And I just want to get your comments on on what he said about you when he drafted you with the third pick. He said, uh, and I quote here, we aren't shy of personality, so we needed a guy who can hang with our lineup. Brian's a great talent and can play any part of the lane, and he'll be an asset to our team. Coming from a guy like Mark Baker, what does that mean? Well, that's a, I mean, that's a great compliment that uh, that somebody you know that's a multi you know time titleist, and he's going to be you know he's got the the team that we're on is uh, has a lot of there's a lot of titles on that team, um, and to put me in as a you know player that's not just a one dimensional player that I'm not going to you know come in and just say well when the lanes are good playing straight, this is all this guy's good for, or the lanes are good for the guy's hooking, and that's all he's going to be good for, and that's strictly what we're going to use him for. Um, that's a huge compliment. Um, that's uh, To me, that's that's what I'm, you know, that's my favorite thing about bowling is I feel like I'm pretty versatile. I might not win a lot, but, you know, there's not any conditions that I'm not going to be real competitive on. You know, speaking of winning a lot, I mean, you have one PBA title and a number of regional titles. I think it's, what, eight or nine regionals. Um, how close were you to possibly winning your second, third, or fourth PBA title? I mean, did you have some moments that you know a break here or there could have swung the match in a different direction? Um, yeah, I mean, I, you know, when you get when you get to bowling on TV, it's, it's like a whole new tournament, you know. It, you know, real. In reality, it's a crapshoot. You are taking a, you know, you're taking a few practice shots, and you are giving yourself. You're, you're making a quick decision, saying, "Well, I'm going to commit to doing this, and I don't have much time to fill the lane out and see if there's a, maybe something better where you're allowed to have." a 210 or a 190 game you're taking to something and and committing to it and you know really you're just taking an educated guess on how you're going to play the lanes there's been a couple tv shows that i've you know i think the last the masters two years ago i felt like i i should have uh i had a really good chance of winning that one and you know mike fagan bowled a great game against me and I, I made a ball change, and you know, in in reality, looking back at it, it was probably the wrong change, um, for what the lanes had transitioned into. Um, but I went with what had been working all week long, and you know, I I was committed to it, and I made good shots, and the ball did a couple things that I didn't expect it to do. But you know, I. You know, there's a lot of, there's probably a lot of things that you could look at and say, yeah, I could have won there, or could have done this, um, but you know, that's a, that's in the past. Well, and Brian, so now that you're a co-owner of a center up in Roseburg, and you still bowl very competitively a lot of the events, does it kind of take away some of the pressure though, knowing that bowling is not your main? source of income and the main thing that's feeding your family it, it's still something you're passionate about you can still make a very good living doing but if you bowl at the world series and let's say things don't go the way you've planned it's not it's not you're not happy with it but it's not something that you can you feel uh, you, you just you let it go once you leave there yeah i think that's a lot well, i think that's a lot of the reason that i've uh bowled much better 
you know, the past few years is that I don't think that I put as much pressure on myself. You know, I there's no question that when I'm bowling, I'm out there to win. Um, but it's not going to, you know, it's not going to, it's not my only source of income now. So there's there's definitely um, some pressure off of that part of it. Um, not that you don't get any pressure and you don't get nervous when you're out there bowling, because um, if you don't, there's something wrong with you. <laughs> but there's definitely, um, it's a lot easier to show up bowling knowing that you have, you know, other stuff going on. Well, Brian, I want to thank you for taking some time to join us again. If you, you're ever in the area, uh, it's about 100 miles in, in, in from California, going right up I-5. I believe it's mile marker like 102, 99 is somewhere in that range, Brian. Uh, we are mile marker 125. 125. I was a little bit, I think I was yep. actually, I'm thinking one, I'm thinking the casino. So you know where my yep, head is. Yep, casino's 99. <laughs> uh, <laughs> 10pindownbowling.com is the website. Check it out. A great website. You can see some of the the, uh, the things you're doing there at the center. But, Brian, thanks for joining us, and it was a pleasure catching up with you. Thanks a lot. Thanks for having me. And thanks again, Brian. Thank you. For Tim Burke, Joe Serrar, Brian Smith, good luck and good bowling. Good bowling.